When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode four, and we're recording on July 14th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And before, um, oh wait, well, we can get to, uh, we can talk about what we've been up, what we've been up to. What have you been doing, Jen? You just gotta. <laughs> I've been, I have new cats. I have brand new cats. <laughs> So, that is so they're grown cats, right? They are grown. So what the situation okay. is is my best friend from college, who is I'm still super close with, uh, her whole family and her are going to Germany for work for two years. So they I am taking in the cats while they're in Germany. Um so yeah, one of them is four and one of them is eleven. They're Heidi and Petra, and they are so cute, but they are like adjusting to the new situation. I have no idea where they are right now. Like literally, no idea. They're somewhere in the apartment. <laughs> they managed. They uh, cats are really good at doing that. Like I've had so many times where I've literally run outside of my apartment because I was like, "Where's my cat? Where's my cat? She must have <laughs> slipped out when I had the door open for like two point five seconds, right. and then she'll crawl out of like some weird little cubby hole I didn't know existed, or out of some like wormhole somewhere yeah. and I'm like what I was calling you <laughs> so many times I wouldn't be surprised if they had like extra dimensional teleportation powers totally honestly. that seems totally. like a very cat thing to have how about you how is your how's your Friday it's good I uh I woke up with that song holiday road in my head oh. and it it decided it didn't want to leave. <laughs> so other than that, I'm pretty good. I, I tried to listen to it earlier. It's that, I think it's because it's from um, that movie National Lampoon's Vacation mm. and it's Friday. So mm. I'm in like a Friday mood. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. Well, thank you for that earworm from <laughs> me and all of our listeners. Sorry. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I guess before we start, we can, uh, I'll tell you about our first sponsor. And our first sponsor is Blackstone Publishing, the publisher of the Helldivers trilogy by Nicholas Sansbury Smith. And um, the Helldivers series and Nicholas Sansbury Smith, he's a USA Today bestselling science fiction author, and he's bringing us another heart-pounding post-apocalyptic adventure with Helldivers 2, which is called Ghosts. It's the second book in the award-winning Helldivers trilogy, which is out July 18th. Uh, bombs dropped during World War II poisoned our Earth, and what remains of humankind exists on a massive flying warship. Helldivers, specially trained men and women, risk their lives to make the dive down to monster-infested, radioactive Earth to retrieve fuel cells to keep the ship afloat. They dive so humanity survives. It sounds pretty exciting and also pretty terrifying. It sounds like <laughs> a bad dream, but that's sort of what I like in books anyway. And I actually have the book in my hands right now. I, hey, hey. 
I was like, I know I've seen it, and I got like a whole set of stuff from Blackstone, and it's very, it's very nice. It's one of few books that I have right now that is not tarnished by my horrible treatment of books. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not nice to books either. Team peanut butter in all the pages, etc. We love them too much. Mm, that's right. That is right. <laughs> So we can start talking about this Han Solo movie kerfuffle. Yes. So I I mean, listen, I don't even <laughs> I have I have very mixed feelings about this Han Solo film. I'm, I'm I knew super you would. excited for Donald Glover as young Lando, but I like I I I don't know how I will feel about it because I'm not a hundred percent on board with all of the new Star Wars movies. So, like, it's for me, it's like, will this be one I like, or this will be one that I like not so much? So, I yeah. don't know. I have, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I love it's The very... Force Awakens too much, is my problem. So then Rogue One was like, oh, this is not the same I thing. The same way. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and I don't even know. Like, sometimes with, with this sort of thing, I just don't know how necessary it is for everybody to have i know han solo is like obviously a major character but how necessary is it and do i need the whole story about him but it seems like there's already been some some complications so what happened is that they already had some directors and they ended up dropping out and they were cited it it was originally going to be directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and they worked on like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and 21 Jump Street together the two of them but then they cited creative differences and so they're no longer on the project and then yeah. when we thought like everybody was like okay well it's already in production we were, who is going to direct this movie of course, Ron Howard came in, he stepped in, and he is now confirmed as the film's new director. So there is that. And I don't know, Ron Howard, for me, like the movies I've seen him um, direct, I feel like he's good at making like an emotional impact and playing on sort of a nostalgia element. So I'm wondering how that's going to translate with this movie. And that's almost sort of more interesting to me than the actual story of the the Han Solo standalone movie itself. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to watch this though. I, I still haven't decided. I I like it will be a question of whether or not my excitement about young Lando will outweigh my fears about literally every other piece of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Although I am a Ron Howard fan, like, you know, Arrested Development, you know, his work on that as the narrator was amazing. He was so good. He was so good. And like, I think he's got, like, I guess it's supposed to be funny, right? Like they, the original set of directors leads me to believe that this movie is meant to be like hijinky and like fun times. Which I like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I'm on board with it. Um, um, and I think he's good at like less, maybe like a little bit more of like a subtle, clever kind of funny, which I again think could be good. I don't know. I'm very super duper obviously conflicted about the whole thing. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll just have to see. 
We'll have to see. Yes. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. What is next on our list of sci-fi fantasies news? Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. I just got yes. super excited all over again. One of my <laughs> favorite authors from the last year, Zoraida Cordova, who is writing the Brooklyn Brujas trilogy. It's a trilogy, right? It's a series at the very least. I know it's a series. I'm yeah. pretty sure there's supposed to be three. And the first one, Labyrinth Lost, is out now. And the second one is coming. And the first one has such a cliffhanger. I'm like dying for this next installment. I haven't reached that cliffhanger. I haven't reached it yet. So it's at the very end of the book. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, everything's like wrapped up. And then you're like, what? So, (laughs) um, but she has a new duology coming out in the summer of 2019. So two years from now. Um, But I'll start getting Uh, excited now. That's fine with me. (laughs) It was like a major six figure deal, which is great. And it is is influenced by Spanish culture and um, it's like based on Spain in the 15th century. And so she's reimagining the Inquisition as a battle between like the state and then rebel magicians. Like I sounds so fun. I could not be more excited <laughs> about this series. I know. I'm really glad. I'm looking forward to getting another fantasy set in, like, the Middle Ages that isn't inspired by medieval England. Yes, Like, agree. I don't think I've ever read anything about Spain in the 15th century. I don't know if you have, but I have never read anything like that. So I was like, what even did that look like? Right. And then the Inquisition is like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So... I'm looking forward to it as well, and I don't know how I'm going to wait for it, but (laughs) I'm sure I will have – I have so many books that I need to read, but I want them all. All of them. And – But I – Oh, oh yeah, go on. Well, I was just going to say, and it's also exciting because Labyrinth Lost has been optioned. Um, So we're going to get like an on-screen – uh, vision of the most amazing, like, you know, Brooklyn into the underworld, you know, magic and adventure and love triangle and all of that stuff is coming to the screen, which makes me super excited. So Paramount, yeah, has has optioned it. So like yeah. all of my fingers and toes are crossed that that it makes it in good time through the development stages. I know, me too. And I hope that, like, the story actually translates well to the screen. Like, that they don't take to – that is, like, the eternal struggle Mm. of the book-to-movie adaptation of, like, I want to make sure they get in all the good parts and they get the right feel for it, but you never know. But I am definitely, like – Maybe I'm I'm on the fence about the Han Solo movie, but I am definitely (laughs) going to go see (laughs) – Oh, yeah. It's all right, Cordova's uh, movie. I'll I be there wait. for the midnight release. Like, I'll maybe I'll cosplay. I'll get some wings. Oh, yeah. I'll get some wings. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you totally should. You should totally. And then you should post it. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> but this is funny because it's this book is sort of like a step away because she usually writes uh, YA urban, like urban fantasies. So this is sort of like a completely different a completely different realm for her. And I know she also writes romance. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see how she writes this and what that looks like in the tone of the book. So really exciting. We got to wait. We got to wait until Sunday. I know. We have so much waiting to do. I know. Every time you hear about something like because publishing takes a while and also, you know, getting a movie adapted takes a while. You got the script and everything to think about. 
So well, well, we always hear about it really early and then we're like, okay, is it out tomorrow? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that we're going to have adaptations that we're going to have to wait for, let's jump to the Nettie Okorafor news. Hurrah! I was really surprised by this news. Same. Super surprised. Because I always assume, like, there are certain authors or books that, like, I assume, okay, I hear about it a lot in the bookish world, but do other people know enough about it for it to become this, you know, sort of sensation? And it did win, like, the 2011 World Fantasy Award. Well, let's say what book we're talking about first. Oh, yeah, that's right. We haven't said the title yet. (laughs) I'm getting so excited about it. It's Nettie Okorafor's Who Fears Death, which is a 2010 science fiction and fantasy novel. And yes, it did receive the World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. And so it is, it has a lot of acclaim. And I was still sort of surprised. I was surprised by the news and especially by the person attached to it. Uh, George R. R. Martin has signed on to be a producer for the HBO adaptation of the book. So, of course, it blew up all over the place. It yes. blew up all online and on Twitter. And um, I think she announced it first either on Facebook yep. or Twitter. Yeah, it was – well, it might have been across multiple socials. But the, yeah. the where I saw it was from her Facebook and, um, yeah, I mean, it's – if you had asked me to pick, like, a World Fantasy Award winner from the past five years that I thought HBO and George R. R. Martin would pick up, like, I don't know what it would have been, but it probably wouldn't have been this. And especially yeah. for a TV show, too. Like, it's just interesting on so many – it's so unexpectedly delightful. Like, it's like when that thing happens that you don't think ever will happen and then it does and you're like, what? That's amazing. I mean, obviously, I <laughs> they've been working on this for probably years. Like these, these, as she says in her post, like this doesn't happen overnight. So, um, but yeah. yeah, she said like four years in the making. Yeah, and I was like, it takes that long. I mean, I know it takes a long time, but four years is a long time. And like, time. who knows? It'll be another few years probably before it gets on TV, right? Like, it's just in the early stages of production. So, yeah, uh, I was reading uh, George R. R. Martin's blog post about. It because he was, of course, trying to like um, make his fans not get into a tizzy about yeah. him working on another project instead of his book. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he was talking about like, yeah, he is a producer on the show, but it also um, is still very much in the early stages of development, and they still have to do the script and um, do the pi the. TV pilot and everything. So it's still in the works very much, but it's still super exciting. And I'm really hoping everything works out the way it needs to work out Mm -hmm. and that we get to see it because I'm really curious about how they're going to translate this story in particular. I'm curious about how they'll translate it to screen and uh, how they'll deal with certain uh, aspects or elements of the book that are kind of like difficult material, you know? Yeah. I'm I mean, curious. It's HBO, right? So they can get into the dark Some stuff. Some graphic, yeah. Yeah, which they're going to have to. It's not a light, cheerful no. book. 
No. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. But yeah, I know. I mean, it makes it. I think when you when you put it all together, you're like, sure, I can see how this would be great. Um, it's just a lot of like surprise. You wouldn't necessarily think of it yourself. So yeah, maybe. But yeah, you know, given how much energy and clearly like money they poured into Game of Thrones to get the production value right for all of the really intense fantasy moments, you know, hopefully that bodes well for this production. Yeah, I'm glad it's with – there's a, a part of me that's glad that it's with HBO because they can afford to mm-hmm. really make it look yeah. fantastic. Yep. And I think for a novel in the genre, like whenever there's a sci-fi or fantasy book that comes out that's going to be adapted, I'm always like, I hope they have a really big budget. I know. Like, I, <laughs> I know. It's so true. There's just always some element where it's like – they're going to need to have to figure out, like, either some CG effects or some really good, like, I don't know, prop design. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, I want to be taken away. So. Yep. Excitement. Excitement all around. Mm-hmm. So what do you, do you want to talk about, like, the, do you want to talk about the time travel Yeah, stuff I just, or? just for a second, I want to talk about this uh, article from last month on tour.com called is time travel science fiction or fantasy because it reminded me I was like scrolling through my back feed and it reminded me of the conversation we were having last time about was the X-Men and you know superheroes were they science fiction or fantasy and you know my explanation is always well like is 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 a plausibly scientific explanation being offered for the strange things that are happening. Um, and in this piece, you know, the, the, the Natalie comes to the same conclusions. It's like, well, it depends. Like, are you like, are you, if you're talking about Hermione Granger's time turner, clearly that's magic. But if you're talking yeah. about the TARDIS, like that's science ish. It's like wibbly wobbly <laughs> timey wimey science, right? So exactly, or like the DeLorean, you know, or Jules Verne, or any number, you know, or like, but like in Outlander, that's time travel via magic stones. So I think I, I for me, obviously, it's very much a question of. Um, what is the explanation being offered for it? But then I was wondering, like, what is your instinctual response? Like, if you don't think about it too hard, what would you say? Is it time travel or, like, is it sci-fi or is it fantasy when people time travel? I feel like when I even hear the word time travel, I automatically think sci-fi, which Mm -hmm. is funny. And I don't know why that is. I think maybe because of, like, classic uh, sci-fi stories about time travel. Yeah. But it is, like, it's one of those things... And sci-fi in particular seems so packed with these, like, qualification conundrums. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those genres, sounds like heresy a a little bit, (laughs) but it sort of makes me, like, want to say, let's forget about genre. Let's just mention, like, the book has robots or the characters magically appear in another time. And then let's slowly back away. (laughs) For instance, (laughs) Kindred, which is brought up, Kindred is categorized as science fiction wherever you look. And I call it must-read sci-fi. But in an interview, um, I was looking into Kindred recently. Mm -hmm. And in an interview for this journal, Butler herself said Kindred is fantasy. She doesn't consider it or she didn't consider it science fiction because she said there's no science involved. Right. 
And that's one of those things. Like, there are these, there are time slip novels, and then Mm -hmm. there's, like, portal fiction isn't necessarily always going to be science fiction either, but that always seems to ring sci-fi to me. Really? Um, Fiction is always fantasy to me because Narnia. Like, Narnia in my head is my original fantasy yeah, that's true. There's like, uh, or are you thinking more like Stargate, Stargate Portal? Stargate. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I got you. Like Stargate, that sort of thing. Like, and so there are these. Uh, there are sometimes like elements of a book that just say sci-fi to me, but then there is no actual science behind it. So it's like that question about like hard sci-fi, for right. instance. Like, how rigorous does the science <laughs> have to be? Like the research. In order for it to count. So, right. Or are we just waving our hands around yelling science? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Either way, it's fine with me. I don't care <laughs> particularly. Although I do appreciate, you know, like in Nine Fox Gambit where there's so much, it's like incomprehensibly weird science. Like you're like, yes. well, this is science to them. But to, it's, you know, it's that line, right? Like any sufficiently advanced technology looks like magic. Um yeah. yeah, that was a really actually Nine Fox Gamut was like super interesting in that way because it it didn't like you could say anything as science and I know like some hard sci-fi from the past that sort of you know the science has been discredited today. Right. It's still considered hard sci-fi even though it's like oh, it's sure. basically not real science anymore. Well, not, none of it is like, real science. I mean very yeah, little yeah. of science fiction is real science like when you get down to it. That's kind of the point, yeah, right? Like it's down, like yeah. well what if this was how science worked? So, yeah, I don't require my science to be realistic, honest. I know it bothers some other readers, but I, I'm, I'm fine with I hand know. waving. But that's because I don't have a very scientific mind. So, you know. Me neither. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't understand any. It's all magic to me. Right. It's all fine. Well, do you want to talk about this Harry Potter story? <laughs> oh, yes. I was laughing so hard. It's pretty great. <laughs> so a man discovered that he's accidentally been reading Harry Potter fanfic instead of The Order of the Phoenix. And I have some questions about the story, (laughs) but I laughed so hard reading the text exchange that was between the reader and his friend on Twitter, which is where the story first popped up because she screenshot the communications between the two of them where he's like describing what happens in the story he read, and she's like, are you trolling me? (laughs) So good. Like, where did you get this? Like, scenes where Harry and Hermione get intimate, and, like, Hermione rides Harry when he's in griffin form. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was really a delightful set of tech, of screenshots of text messages for sure. Um, and then, and and oh wait, so all right, my question is, mm-hmm. I, my or my assumption rather is that he said he was reading like a set of five ebooks. She was like, "Where did you? What is? Where did yes. you get the book?" And he it's like all of them in one collection. And I'm like, he must have pirated it. First of all, he must have pirated it. Because if you had purchased it somewhere, you would not have gotten Harry Potter and the Psychic Serpent instead of 
yeah. Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. So like, so, okay, fine, whatever. Like piracy is real and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm a little bit like, that's karma for you. Like, yeah. Like, borrow it from the library. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. That's a funny thing. Like, I, that was the question I had was, where in the world, like, I didn't even consider the piracy oh, yeah. thing. It's gotta and be. I was like. It has to be because there's no way he could have – because I looked it up and you stumble on the site where the the book is posted and it's like there's no way he would have mistaken this <laughs> for a real Harry Potter. There is just absolutely no way. But yeah, that totally makes sense. And in that case, I completely agree with you. Karma. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, of, but yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Part of me like doesn't want to read it but part oh, of me I'm not gonna read it. but I am I am on board with you reading it and texting me your favorite parts oh my like, goodness if you would like to take one for the team I support this I might have to because I am that curious it's I, research Sharifa it's research it's research it's research what can you say <laughs> the I'll give you, you the play-by-play okay. so you do not have to read it please do please do I require <laughs> that okay oh my oh Oh my. <laughs> All right. We're going to spend the second half of today's show talking about some of our favorite sci-fi and fantasy graphic novels. But before we do that, I am going to tell you about our second sponsor, which is Genius the Game by Leopoldo Gout. Uh, the So it is the first book in a series in which... The a three uh, excuse me three teenagers very smart teenagers who are into like hacking and engineering and espionage and activism have to use their skills to save the world because that's what happens um, and it's a diverse cast of characters the teenagers are from around the world uh, we got China India and Nigeria on the page it's a high stakes composition competition excuse me against a literal ticking clock and the villain a noble villain is using all of the you know surveillance equipment that exists in our world like cameras and microphones and traffic light stops and all of these things but these teenagers have to outwit the villain in order to save the world. Um, it's getting rave reviews. Uh, James Patterson called it exciting, provocative, fresh, and innovative. And uh, the New York Times reviewed it, too, and said that the characters are believable and immensely likable, and their friendship serves as a delightful and realistic anchor amid the fast-moving chaos. So if you are interested in sci-fi and YA, and you like the idea of like those high-stakes games, race to save the world, gotta use your skills to to save the day this is definitely something you should check out so thank you again to genius the game and leap by leopoldo gout for sponsoring the show all right so we decided to talk about favorite graphic novels and i cheated a little bit <laughs> because i have recently become obsessed with a webcomic and i'm going to tell you about that one for my fantasy pick so it is full circle by Taneka stats and christian goudreau are you a webcomic fan sharifa do you ever read webcomics I mostly read webcomics, oh, actually. Hey. <laughs> so this isn't 
cheating to me because I will totally look it up. Well, you know, it's I don't know if it's because I spent so long working in bookstores, but when I think of graphic novels, I immediately think specifically of like, you know, the printed graphic novels like or trade collections that, you know, yeah. you can walk into the store and grab. Although obviously so much of comics is digital now. Um, and I am a huge fan of web comics in that like you can pick up a new story for free and like get a regular dose of this comic and then usually you get a collection at some point which is like you know they'll do a kickstarter or they'll or somebody else will pick it up great yeah it's super great i'm really into it um and it i know that like there's a you know kind of a difficulty between like putting your work out for free versus you know getting paid but i the artists who do it i'm i'm a big fan um and Full Circle is is a new favorite. So it is about a magical island. Well, it starts off on a magical island where there are people with wings who live there on this island. And um, the main character is a boy named Marty who does not have wings. And he has a twin sister. So there's this, like, great, like, sibling annoyance stuff going on. Um, There's magic. And then there's this boat coming to the island, which, like, clearly has been sort of walled off from the rest of the world. And it's they have a prisoner on board the boat. um, And she is very smart and snarky. And she, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. So you should start reading it i will leave a link to it in the show notes but i love the art on this i love the characters i really love the sibling back and forth um stuff that's going on with marty and his sister and i just i think it's off to a really promising start you know fantasy and web comics is hard because you don't you get it in very short installments and you're not sure where the big overarching plot is going but i like a lot what i have read so far and i've read all of it i have read all of it so um that is full circle by Taneka Stats and Christiane Goudreau. And I did the same thing. Well, this this comic started out as a web comic, and this is actually an old favorite of mine because I started reading this in college, which was like a century ago. Oh, a whole century. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, for sure. So <laughs> I started reading it in college. Um it's in the um, this is the, also the fantasy category. It's called Ser- Serenity Rose: Ten Awkward Years. It's by Aaron Alexovich, and so I first came across it as a webcomic when I was in college, and I was uber goth back then, and still am. But back then, SLG Publishing was like the goth comics oasis. That was where you'd find uh, Jonan Vasquez's Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and everything else Vasquez did, like. Invader Zim, for instance. Oh, Invader Zim. Yes. Uh-huh. I know. Everybody has such fond I'm glad I'm not the only one no, who has no. fond memories. But Alexovich, uh, the writer and the creator of this comic, was actually attached to that project as a Zim character designer. Uh, but Serenity Rose was totally my thing. It's written as the personal journals of a local witch as related to Mr. Aaron A., and it's about this introverted 20-something, 4'10", gothy witch who lives in this town called Crestfallen. And it's the self-professed spookiest little town in the U.S. of A. It's a fictional town. Oh, my gosh. I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she attends Passionless University. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so she has, like, a few friends and a few fans because as a real witch, she's, like, this 
unwilling celebrity and a total novelty and crestfallen. But she's painfully shy and she prefers to be left alone. But she does have a best friend and her best friend is my favorite character other than Serenity. And her best friend's name is Contessa Natalia Rubikov, otherwise known as Tess, who's this super loud mouth, loud everything, extroverted young woman who's occasionally capable of coaxing Serenity out of her shell. Uh, but Serenity has these, like, cutesy, ghoulish powers that sometimes work. They're not, like, incredibly threatening, but she has some control over them, and she can defeat cursed monster goth singers, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> and the comic actually collects the entire 10-year run of the series about Serenity's crippling social anxiety and her brushes with monstrous battles and her obsession with the lead singer of this band called Vicious Whisper, and also her struggles with her powers and being one of very few witches in the world and hence society's conflicted feelings about witches. And it's really fun and funny. It's like a dark comedy, and it has the feel of a personal journal, definitely, with these doodles and little side thoughts written in the margins and, like, pages torn out of, like, fabricated history books that add to the world building. There's a lot of world building. And there's so much to look at on every page. It kind of has like a Tim Burton aesthetic. I could return to this comic endlessly. And this was also kickstarted after a very successful web series um, run of uh, the comics on online. And you can buy it. It's difficult because you can buy it from third-party sellers on mm. Amazon or at Comixology. Or you can buy it on um, Alexovich's site, which is heartshapedskull.com. Uh, where books one through three are also posted as webcomics. So, like, you could read it right away. Yeah, I do love that. And then it's nice for your favorite webcomics to have the physical one to refer back to. Like, oh, I need to see that scene yeah. again. Yeah. I am. And then you have the pretty cover. Yes. They always do, yes. like, a nice cover. And this one's hard cover, so oh, it's beautiful. Fancy. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, Serenity Rose, 10 Awkward Years by Erin Alexovich. All right. I'm convinced. Okay. So <laughs> for my science fiction pick, I this one is available as a published book as of November. Um, the first volume is out. It's Trish Trash, number one, Roller Girl of Mars. It is. Awesome. I know. It's so good. It is about a girl named Trish uh, whose Roller Girl name is Trash, um, who lives on a Mars that has been colonized and like kind of terraformed but it's not taken very well there's drought um the dust of mars is like a huge problem it gets into all the machinery and all the machinery has to run on like electromagnetic stuff so it's always messing up the works um and trish lives on a farm with her aunt and uncle but really her dream she's a teenager the martian like years are weird so i can't remember what it (laughs) translates to exactly like she's like seven but she's probably like 17 like that kind of thing um but she wants to be a roller uh, hover derby it's hover derby because they they skate on (laughs) hover skates on mars um Um, But the problem is, is that because the conditions on Mars are so bad and because of the way it got colonized, pretty much everyone is an indentured servant to the corporation that like has made Martian colonization possible. 
So she, her uncle and aunt are like both, you know, owe more on the farm than they have. And she's a really good mechanic. So they really need her around the house, but she's a teenager and she wants to do hover derby. So she takes like an unpaid intern contract, which is a terrible plan, obviously, but you do things like this when you are a teenager. Um, And then she doesn't even get to play. Like she spends the whole time fixing the skates. And then in the meantime, she runs into a native Martian, which like half of Mars believes don't really exist and then there's all these conspiracy theories and like nobody like oh they've kidnapped settlers and they're terrible she runs into one and like accidentally saves this martian's life and things kind of unspool from there um i've read both volumes the second one comes out in august and i am just totally hooked it's by jessica abel she's writing and drawing it and yeah it's like a really well imagined world and at the end of each volume there are these sort of like found documents like wikipedia entries and like articles on you know the founding corporation father and like all of these like you know little bits and pieces like how hover derby evolved from roller derby on mars and all of that good stuff so i'm really enjoying it a lot um i think it's the plan is for it to eventually be a trilogy so there will be at least three volumes and again that's trish trash uh volume number one is roller girl of mars by jessica abel I love the the genre for its ability to take the wildest ideas, like, who would have thought of roller derby? (laughs) Roller derby on Mars, come on, like, what more do you need to hear? It's so good. It's so fantastic. I love that. Okay, well, my sci-fi pick is Victor Lavelle's Destroyer, which is illustrated by Dietrich Smith. Yay! And, yeah, I... I am suddenly, like, obsessed with Victor Lavelle. Like, right now I'm reading The Ballad of Black Tom, and I've got The Changeling waiting for me, and he's so good. I can't believe it took me this long to discover him. Welcome. um, Welcome to the fan club. (laughs) Card-carrying member since, like... Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a big fan. I'm a big fan. I probably heard about it more from, like, mostly from you and Amanda. Yes. Um, So, okay, so Destroyer... This one's from Boom Studios, and the story begins with a monster that looks very Frankenstein-y, except, sorry, like, yeah. when I first saw him, I was like, he looks like a hungry Odin. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does, though. You're not wrong. Yeah. That is a and good description. Like, this is cool. <laughs> so I was immediately taken by that. And then there isn't much explanation for this monster at first. He simply sort of enters the story and he boards this vessel, uh, which has like a Sea Shepherd-esque crew that intercepts whalers. But he does this after wreaking havoc on a whaling ship. Um, And it's funny because I'm trying – I don't want to go too much into it because it's such a – a short series as of right now mm-hmm. but so a young girl aboard the ship decides to not necessarily befriend him but to sort of help him out it does not work out that way um something happens that puts them in peril and elsewhere the military is calling back this team of scientists or alchemists having uh after they've caught wind of this the appearance of this uh, very ancient monster. And you get the sense they've known about it for a while and a couple of employees from the lab. I thought this was hilarious. So there are these two employees and their names are George Byron and Percy Shelley. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I was like... (laughs) That is a reference. That is hilarious. (laughs) 
so they go to find the scientist named Baker. And I liked Baker right from the start. She's sort of this no-nonsense woman. Um, there's something off about her, but she hangs out alone in bars with her cool white streak of hair. So <laughs> I was like, oh, she's one of my people. Um, and you can tell she's not down for whatever Byron and Shelley have planned. And But she has, like, there is this, at first when I, I thought about this comic, I was like, is this sci-fi enough? But she's totally, she has this cool self-driving car and helper tech. She's a scientist. She's working on her harrowing special underground project that is top secret that I cannot talk about. Um, but she's haunted by her memories that sort of turn into these nightmares and it gets pretty messed up and creepy and there's already like some gore and some scary nightmare factor to this. So um, just letting you know Well, that, that's but, classic Victor Lavelle yeah, right there. Exactly. Exactly. His now brain is I a know, scary I'm place. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be caught in it. So yeah, <laughs> but I love this. I, I just read the two issues that are out. Um, there are only two issues out right now. And at the end of issue two, you will pull your hair out because it does leave you on a cliffhanger. But the day this episode goes up is the release date for issue three. So that's good, that's I guess. Good. I mean, I'm sure it's going to leave you on another cliffhanger, but... <laughs> I mean that is <laughs> kind of how third. monthlies work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, if you if you read these, you're used to it. So, um, but there you go. That's it's a great comic, and it reminded me in certain ways of like old tales from the crypt comics. Even though the style of art is totally different, it's modern. Uh, the art is really great, by the way. I love it so much. And um, you get, like, sci-fi along with horror. So that was Victor Lavelle's Destroyer, illustrated by Dietrich Smith. And, yeah. That's our show. That's our show. Um, and we had so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> have so much Serenity Rose to read now. <laughs> gonna... You really, it's a chunk. It's a chunk of work. And I have so much... Harry Potter fans. Yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> Yay. Oh boy. Well, thank you so much to all of you for listening. Uh, if you have comments or questions or whatnot, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. You can also leave us a review and ratings on Apple Podcasts. We love to see your feedback and it does help other people to find the show. Um, you can find me mostly on Tumblr these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com. And I'm also the co host of the Get Booked podcast. And you can find me at Instagram mostly, and I'm at S Zainab Williams. That's S Z A I N A B Williams. And yeah, that's it for me. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.